With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable, because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) All right, Matt. How you doing tonight? I'm better now. Yeah, you had a rough weekend, <laughs> I had a man. A rough weekend, dude. So we, Matt and I, went out, uh, went out to eat with our ladies over the weekend, and I'll let you tell the whole story because it's kind of an involved issue with this yeah. restaurant. So, so anyway, we show up at the restaurant. I don't know about six thirty. Yeah, something like that. I mean, that. early enough. It's Saturday night. Yeah, you'd think we wait about thirty minutes. Which apparently seemed like a mandatory 30 minutes because mm-hmm. they said when I went in to see how long, much longer it's going to be, she's like, have you been waiting 30 minutes? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to seat you right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, as soon as you walk man. up, you got 30 minutes. <laughs> but yeah. You're on the clock. Yeah. So we, we sit down and we we start looking at the menu and we're told now we're we're out of a lot of stuff because we were so busy today. And I was like, well, yeah, okay. And they start rattling off what they're out of. And I was like, well, just tell me what you do have. Yeah, that was like half the menu. But apparently they had had a, a, a really, really busy day, busier than usual. So we all kind of had to pick off the, the, the menu based on what was left. And two of us, me and my oldest daughter, got catfish and nobody else did and we woke up sick on sunday morning and when i mean sick i mean like i thought i was gonna die (laughs) my stomach hurt so bad it was like i'd been stabbed yeah and it just i couldn't get it to go away and i mean we tried everything and i was miserable the whole day and to be honest i haven't felt a hundred percent even even today, I'm, I, right now is about as good as I felt in the last four days. Yeah, and so if y'all hear weird like rumblings and stuff, that's Matt's belly. Yeah, still from the weekend. So, but we're glad you got over it enough to be able to record. I know. You know. I know. I, it was uh, it was touch and go there for yeah. a little while. But see, that's why you get the the crawfish instead of the catfish. <laughs> you know. Catfish has never done me wrong, man. That's true. It's never done me wrong either, but apparently it did you wrong. And I'm just I'm just assuming because the two people that got sick were the two people that ate catfish. Right. So. I guess y'all can hear Dallas. I don't yeah. know what, what he's barking at. but He's barking at the fact that he's not back here with us. That's probably it. <laughs> I'm going to have to muzzle those two next time we record. But we just... <laughs> Dallas, shut up, dude. Uh, we just recently had a, a time change, and it's still messing with me. Uh, it changed over on Sunday, I guess. 
and it's just it's been messing me up getting yeah. i'm getting to bed later and then technically waking up early it, i don't know i'm just i'm screwed up so i may sound like a little more tired than normal yeah just from all the lack of sleep i'm getting but we're gonna we're gonna persevere. It's gonna be a rough episode for us. Yeah, it's weird to record this when it's still light outside, right? We, you know, we when we started this back in October, mm-hmm. it was I mean, it was already dark. Well, it was dark at like noon back then. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we live in Alaska or something, yeah, you know? right? <laughs> well, I always say I uh, during the winter I get the rickets. Because I go to work when it's dark, I get off when it's dark, so I never see the sunlight. So I end up with the rickets during the winter. Miraculous recovery, though, every spring. It's amazing. But if y'all don't know, um, we now have some merch. We talked about it last week, and we posted about it and all that. But we'll remind y'all, it's tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash graveyard. So go get you some merch, get you a t-shirt. Yeah. Coffee mug. Laptop case. Laptop case. You can get a travel mug, a pillow if you want to. Yeah, the pillows. Yeah, I was just about to say get your pillow if you want to sleep with us, but I probably shouldn't say that. (laughs) You know, Adam's already got all his stuff. I do. He ordered, what, sticker and coffee mug? Yeah, I don't have my shirt yet, though. Oh, That's the only thing. Okay. We we don't have jack. Well, see, it's like I told you. I I sent a, a booby picture in with it as uh, a payment to get it like rush yeah, delivery. That's right. So you know, you know, I'm just saying, send in yeah. a booby picture. You get some fast service there. His right, his, right. It's his, mine. His boobies, man, boobies. Yeah. So it's a wonder it didn't delay it by six weeks. <laughs> maybe, maybe that they thought they were like, yours, oh and that's what delayed it. They thought they were yours. <laughs> Oh, no, they know if everybody. We're also working on a website that we'll have up before too long, um, and we'll give you the the link to that whenever we do. So just hold on for that. I just wanted to let everybody know. And Matt had mentioned it last time, but we want your favorite urban legends because we're doing an urban legend show. Another one. Another one. Because it was it was a lot of fun for it's my, us. It's my DJ Khaled impersonation. Is it an, Khaled an, or another one? Khalid or I think it's Khaled. Khalid? A Khaled? Okay. I'm fairly sure. I have I I have teenagers. Ah, uh, see. So. Yeah, and I'm not cool, so I don't I have no <laughs> idea. Uh but send us in your favorite urban legends that you want us to research, to look into or whatever for us to do on our next urban legend show. And we'll look into all of them, and we may pick yours to do because we're going to pick several apiece to yeah. do. Um, and we've we've already seen a few filtering in, so yeah, and some, keep, keep them coming. Some interesting ones filtering mm-hmm. in too. Also, remember to record your personal experiences and send those in to us because we want to do a another like listener stories episode as well. But this time, we want to hear y'all say it. Right. We want to hear your voices talking about it. And I guess that's about all the news we've got on our front, um, except for, Matt, I don't know if you know this, but there is a guy named Shadow with two Ds who keeps emailing us at the Graveyard Tales podcast at gmail.com. His name is Shadadado or something. It's two Ds. <laughs> Shadadado. 
Um, he keeps emailing us about joining his Shadow Riders group, and it's Shadow at two Ds, and then R Y D E R Z. Have no idea what it is because I'm not opening it. But he sends us like four a day about wanting us to join his Shadow Riders group. Yeah, and then I guess he's now given up on us answering him, and he's just sending us Usher music videos. <laughs> Because that's the last three that I got was, you know, Usher sings this song and then Usher singing this song. Yeah. I'm like, dude. Usher singing happy birthday. Yeah. If you really want me to join your uh, shadow writers, quit sending Usher videos. That's not going to help. Yeah. If y'all can't tell, Adam, Adam checks the email. Yeah. He manages the, the Twitter. I, I, I check the email and I get very irritated by this shadow dude. So. I don't think he listens, but if he does, Shadow, Mr. Writers, please quit emailing. Yeah. It's getting really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but in the news of the world, um, we posted this on our Facebook page because Scott from Astonishing Legends shared this story on Twitter, and I thought it fit pretty well with the feat that we were talking about. In Russia, the police have launched an investigation after a mysterious bag of 54 severed human hands was discovered at a popular fishing spot near a Siberian city. And I'm just going to not pronounce the name of this city because it wouldn't work out well. Um, a single hand was spotted first, and then the bag containing the remains was found on an island in the Amur River. It was about 32 kilometers from the Chinese border. They say it's unclear why the hands were chopped off and police do not know who they belong to. Several pairs of hands were among those found, so a matching set. You know, it's not a lot like what we talked about with the feet washing up because they're not washing up or anything like that. And to me, this sounds like a gang mm-hmm. or a serial killer or something, but to me, it's trying to you know hide evidence to... I right. guess so you can't identify the body. Yeah, the fact that it was found on an island in a river makes mm-hmm. it sound like it was it was placed there. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, nobody's gonna go here. Let's uh let's stash our Russian handbag yeah. out here. Ooh, I'm glad you said bag. <laughs> oh Lord, I'm glad you said bag. I thought I was gonna have to edit. We, <laughs> well, we did. We didn't say bag when we were talking about it before yeah. we started recording. <laughs> so he had he had my heart race a little bit because I was I was thinking I was going to have to use the first sensor beep in graveyard history. So <laughs> before we get into the meat and potatoes of tonight's episode, we're going to do our normal potty break, and this week's potty break promos are myths and urban legends and into the portal. Hey guys, do you like mysteries and urban legends? Do you like creepy stories and unsolved true crime? Then join us every Tuesday and Saturday at Mysteries and Urban Legends and get to the bottom of weird urban legends and spooky mysteries. (laughs) 
Hello, all you curious creatures out there. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we are the hosts of Into the Portal. If you like myths, legends, history with a paranormal twist, join us every week as we explore lesser-known mysteries of our world and beyond. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and all other major podcast platforms, and at intotheportal.com, your gateway to the bizarre. The only question is, do you dare peer into the portal? Okay, so uh, so we're back. Be sure and go uh, go check those guys out. Um, tonight, we're going to do things a little different yep. because uh, this is one of Adam's favorite topics. It really is. He loves he he loves cryptids of any type. I do the but, the weird animals. But tonight, we're going to talk about the king of the cryptids. So, Adam. What are we discussing tonight? All right. Tonight, we're discussing Biggie. Not Biggie Smalls, <laughs> but Biggie McBigfoot. So we're getting into Bigfoot tonight. And I'm a, I will get a shirt that says that. Biggie McBigfoot. Biggie, Biggie McBigfoot. <laughs> that may have to be our next uh, t-shirt design. <laughs> he's going to be wearing Air Jordans. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Air Jordans and, and like a, a basketball jersey. Yeah. And he's gonna look like some kind of hybrid teen wolf. <laughs> I I'd wear I'd wear that shirt. I really would. Yeah. So we need to work on that. I'm gonna talk to my graphic designer friend and so, see if we can get that done. Yeah. So, you know. So Biggie McBigfoot TM. There you go. So we, yeah. we thought of it first. Yep. <laughs> that that uh, patent pending, so that's ours. Sorry that's right. guys. Um, so to get into Bigfoot here and to lead into it, we need to, we need to hear basically what Mr. Lauren Coleman thinks. And if y'all don't know who Lauren Coleman is, he's a big time cryptozoologist and he actually runs a cryptozoological museum and he's written a ton of books and I enjoy all of them because, like Matt said, I'm a big fan of the cryptids and the weird animals and stuff. So I've got a book here, and we'll read what he says about Bigfoot. So he says the Canadian version of Bigfoot called Sasquatch, it has an even longer history than Bigfoot does. And according to researchers John Green and Ivan T. Sanderson, This Indian-sounding word was coined in the 1920s by J.W. Burns, a teacher who for years collected stories about wild hairy giants from his Chihalas Indian friends. And in recent years, scientists and folklorists looking to bring more more respectability to to the subject have been using the more sober-sounding name of Sasquatch rather than Bigfoot. But the first use of the now widely used label did not occur until a quiet church-going construction worker named Jerry Crew appeared in a Northern California newspaper office with a plaster cast of one of many large hominid footprints he had found in the mud in Bluff Creek Valley. Now, this photograph of him holding the massive cast first appeared in the Humboldt Times along with the word Bigfoot on October 5th, 1958. And... That term was coined by the RFD columnist who wrote that article. Because he is so original. He is original. Let's see. Man, that's a big foot. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. We'll call it Bigfoot. 
So the, the classic Bigfoot of the Pacific Northwest is reported in the most concentrated areas of the northern corner of the United States, which is northern California, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho, and far western Canada, British Columbia, and Alberta. And a little bit of activity going up into Canada, into Alaska, and then some, you know, it kind of gets sparse as you go further south right. as well. Um, now, there are, you know, there are the southern Bigfoot sightings. There's the far eastern coast Bigfoot sightings. So it's all over North America. So and, what's, what's the difference between like northern Bigfoot and southern Bigfoot? Um, from what I've seen, it's basically smell. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, know, you get, and, and use of the word y'all y'all. Yeah. Y'all done <laughs> saved that Bigfoot uh, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well played. So it, uh, Lauren describes Bigfoot as a bulky and stocky creature with enormous barrel torso and a height when mature of six to nine feet. The creature has small pointed head with no neck or forehead. Its eyes are small, round, and dark, and they seem to stare straight ahead. The face is light in the younger creatures and darker in the older individuals. It's got a heavy brow ridge and a continuous upcurled fringe of hair on the brow ridge. The distinctive footprints are, they say, are look to be left by a giant five-toed human foot, just a lot larger than ours are. So same shape, basically. The average length is 14 to 16 inches long. So that is a huge foot, hence Bigfoot. But they probably should have called him Huge Foot. Huge Foot. Ginormous Foot. Ginormous Foot. So Bigfoot is generally nocturnal and mostly solitary, although some sightings have reported family groups. From their calls... It appears that they have no language. I'm laughing because I'm about to have to do something fun. They emit a high, high-pitched whistle, calls, animal-like screams, howls, eek, 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 suka, 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 ugh, 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 and ooh, ooh, according to Lauren. Man, that's awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> So, I made him do that, by the way. Yeah, we were reading this out, and he goes, you've got to do that. You have got to do, do that. that. So that's why I laughed a minute ago. But one of the most often told stories, and y'all have probably heard this quite often, is the story of Albert Ostman. So I'm just going to give you a brief rundown of the story. I won't go too deep into it, because it is a really long story. But... Oshman is a British Columbia man, and he came forward in 1957 to recount an incident he had that he said took place in 1924. While on a prospecting trip at the head of Toba Inlet, opposite Vancouver Island, he was gathered up one night inside his sleeping bag and after many miles dumped out to, to discover that he was captive of a family of Bigfoot. Adult male and female, juvenile male and female, and he described them as giant ape-like creatures. Though they were friendly, they clearly did not want him to escape from their canyon home, and he managed to do so only after six days when the older male finally choked on Oshman's snuff tobacco. So in the 
longer story, he tricks the dad Bigfoot into trying his snuff after he tried his coffee. Mm-hmm. Well, then after eating all the snuff, the Bigfoot needed to like wash his mouth out because he just swallowed a whole thing of snuff. And if you know anything about chewing tobacco, that's not pleasant. Right. Uh, he poured hot coffee down his throat, which then, you know, excited him even more and hurt. So he's rolling around on the ground, and during that commotion, Ostman is able to get out. So everybody says that the people who interviewed Ostman didn't doubt his sincerity or sanity at all. So they use that as one of the, I guess, more prevalent stories mm, yeah. for Bigfoot. Uh, but late in the 1950s, Sanderson wrote two articles for Argosy, a men's adventure magazine, calling Bigfoot America's abominable snowman. And this caught a lot of attention from Americans. Now, among those who went looking for Bigfoot after they read the first Argosy article was Roger Patterson. He was a rodeo writer and author of Do Abominable Snowmen of America Really Exist? This was written in 1966. Patterson's searching paid off, and he, along with companion Bob Gimlin, filmed the now-famous Patterson film of a large female Bigfoot on October 20th, 1967. Patterson died in 72, but swearing to the authenticity of both sighting and film. Gimlin is still alive, and he also sticks by the story. The first investigator on the site was Bob Titmus. And he found tracks corresponding exactly to the creature's route as depicted in the film and made cast of 10 of them. Yeah. So a lot of people hear about the, the film, but they don't know much about the prints that were found. Yeah. And the prints that were found there kind of verify that there was some large creature in the area. The first, I guess, sighting that was called Bigfoot that we talked about, um, when it was written in the paper, was in Bluff Creek. And then Patterson's sighting was in Bluff Creek. So it was all along that same area. And they seemed to, the tracks from both sightings were very similar. They said, if not the same animal, then very similar animals. Yeah. And I think everybody everybody that's watched any television about Bigfoot or if it came up, you, you know, the video that we're referencing here, the, the Patterson film, it's, it's that video that just shows what looks like a, a gorilla walking across, you know, a clearing in a forest and then disappearing into the trees. It, right. You know, it, it's been scrutinized for decades. Mm-hmm. Trying to, you know, people have said it, it looks like a man in a suit. It, it walks like a man. If you watch it, 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 the reason it walks like a man is because it's walking reciprocally, one foot in front mm-hmm. of the other. And if you've ever seen a gorilla walk, they don't walk like that. Right. They, they walk with a shake. You know, they have a side to side sway where they advance their legs and, and their arms move in front of them, not swinging right. at their sides. And when you watch that video, that's what you see. And so, because it looks like a gorilla that's not walking like a gorilla, I think a lot of people believed initially that it was a man in a suit. Right. And it walks that way because 
if you believe in Bigfoot, it was, you know, it's supposed to walk on two feet. Right. Gorillas walk the way they do because they're actually, they're quadrupedal. Right. They walk on their knuckles. So they're not designed to walk on two legs. So you can tell that it is an upright bipedal creature. Yeah. And, you know, gorillas can. Right. They just, they typically don't, at least not for a long distance. Mm -hmm. You know, that whenever they're doing something with their arms, you know, if they're, if they're fighting another male gorilla, you know, if they're, if they're climbing or anything like that, they're, they're on two feet for sure. And they're using their, their front paws, you know, as hands, Mm -hmm. you know, to grip, but to traverse an area of terrain, like you see in that video, you know, a gorilla would, would actually be much shorter because his front hands would be on the ground Mm -hmm. and he would be dragging, dragging his feet along. It it wouldn't look like this at all. Right. So uh, it, you know, it's interesting in, in the, in the, in the respect that everything about it looks off and i think that's what makes it so compelling mm-hmm. is because you you see what you're looking at and then you realize why doesn't this look right and yeah. it's because it looks like a gorilla walking like a person right it looks like what a person would do if they were wearing a gorilla suit right but they did um they took a high-res image of that video and they enhanced the picture of the bigfoot walking and they said you can actually see muscles moving under the fur in the back when it turns. So for that time period, there were no animatronic suits or anything like Planet of the Apes was out. So they said, well, it's probably like a Planet of the Apes style costume that they're wearing. But look at the Planet of the Apes right. costume. They, they don't look like that. No, it's just a flat piece with fur on it. So, yeah, and it looks like a furry thing, but it doesn't move. There's no muscle muscular structure underneath the fur. Right. And they're calling it a female Bigfoot because in that same enhancement of the video, you could actually see breasts swing when she turned. So they say, well, you're not going to put that on a costume, yeah. you know. And yeah, it's, this ain't no Dr. Zayas. No, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. <laughs> Sorry, Simpsons. Every time I hear Doctor Sayas, I think of a, I think of a Simpsons episode for yeah. everything. Okay, y'all, y'all hush. <laughs> so, it's actually said that thirty percent of Americans believe in Bigfoot. So, three out of ten people actually believe that there's a Bigfoot. Yeah, Matt and I will hold off on our thoughts till later on on whether there is one or not. But if you want to catch a Bigfoot, if you want to go find you a Bigfoot. We have the top 10 areas from 1995 forward of the most Bigfoot sightings. So go to one of these places. Yeah. Now, Pennsylvania has 98 sightings. New York has 101 sightings. Colorado has 110. Michigan has 141. Illinois, 176. Florida, 207 and florida is when i was talking about the smell Mm -hmm. they've got one called the skunk ape and it's because of the smell that emanates from that bigfoot it usually has a really foul odor and probably because it lives in the swamps there in florida you'd stay too it's just a really big skunk it could be or it could never i was gonna make an ex-girlfriend joke never mind never mind (laughs) 
Ohio has 224 sightings. Oregon has 227 sightings. California has 425. And the most sightings in the United States is Washington with 528 sightings since 1995. So if you're looking to find a Bigfoot, those would probably be the best places to go camp, you know, bring some apples for Bigfoot. I think he likes Snickers from one documentary I saw. He likes Snickers. Yeah. So beef sticks. Ah, yeah. Bring some beef jerky with you. You can be snacking with Bigfoot. (laughs) Messing with Sasquatch. (laughs) All right. So now that we know where to go to see Bigfoot, Matt's going to give us some encounters that he came across. Yeah. So Adam and I were talking prior to uh, recording that when you start reading these accounts of Bigfoot sightings, they begin to all melt together because they all sound the same. Essentially, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of them will have maybe one unique detail that, sets it apart from another or the location is out of the ordinary, which makes it more interesting. But for the most part, all of these accounts sound virtually the same, you know, found some tracks, heard some noise, got some rocks thrown at me, saw this big thing that was about seven to eight feet tall, looked like it weighed around, you know, 500 pounds or better. Um, and it ran off or, you know, it howled, you know, this, this is the, the, the same kind of thing. So you can either look at it as all these stories are, are made up and people are just taking bits and pieces from other accounts and making up their own account, or this is the best they could do. It was, you know, it's real generalized. Or if you believe in this stuff, you can say the reason these accounts are so similar is because they really happened. And this is how these creatures act. And this is what they do around human beings. And this is why these stories are so similar Yeah, is because, you know, if, if I tell a story about seeing a bear, you know, out in the mountains and you go find two dozen other stories about people that have encountered bears in the mountains, chances are, they're going to be very similar right. because bears act a certain way. Right. And if, if, if Bigfoot is, is an, an animal, even a highly evolved animal, you would expect the same thing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these stories seem the same. So I, I found a website. It's called KentuckyBigfoot.com. And there are other websites very similar to this that will list uh, reportings and sightings. Um, this one does it by county. And you can actually go through and, and see all the counties in Kentucky, and it'll give you um, the number of reports from each one. And, I, you know, I focused on this one because it's so close to us. I mean, we're, we're literally 30 miles from the Kentucky state line. Right. You know, so... The, the closer you get, you know, north from here, the the more bleed over you see. I mean, it, you know, when you're when you're about 15 minutes north of here, it's it's nothing for you to walk into a convenience store and somebody working there lives in Kentucky. 
you know, they just work in Tennessee. So there's a lot of bleed over. So I thought that was that was interesting that these sightings were happening so close to us. So in fact, some of these sightings, other other than one, um, you know, the ones from Tennessee aren't all that close to us. One is like in our backyard. Yeah. Uh, but but these are really really interesting. So Logan County, Kentucky, it's about. 65 miles northwest of Nashville to kind of give you some bearings. Um, there's a large state park, you know, that runs through that area. Um, or actually, you know, I apologize. The, the state park is a little bit further away. Um, but in that area, there have been, there have been several sightings and all were reported by what was determined by the investigator to be credible people, believable people, um, nobody looking for attention. In fact, a few of them chose to remain anonymous because of their community status or their job, and they didn't want any negativity coming toward them, but they felt compelled that the story come out. Those are the ones that you tend to believe more because, right. like you said, there's some that do it for their attention-seeking or you know, they want to be known as the Bigfoot investigator which i find it kind of funny when you always get like a paranormal investigator mm-hmm. that comes out with a bigfoot sighting mm-hmm. you know somebody that can gain something from it right. publicity or something like that but the people that go no 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 don't use my name yeah. don't say where I i'm don't from want, i don't want this kind of publicity. no here's my story now leave me alone those are the ones that tend to be a little more credible in my book yeah they they experience something for sure you know, maybe maybe it was Bigfoot, maybe not, but there was definitely something that they saw or that they heard or interacted with in some manner that really shook them enough to go, I, I think I need to tell somebody about this. And I don't care if you, you know my name or not. In fact, I'd rather you don't. I just, I want to get this out there. Right. Um, but these folks did... Uh, they they did use their name and around this area um in western kentucky there there's just tons of sightings and they date back to the 1960s all the way up as early as last year as as recent as last mm-hmm. year so um you know so what that, for 50 years yeah. 50 almost 60 years worth of of sightings of some creature that has been attributed to bigfoot in that area the locals Dubbed this creature the critter. That sounds like Kentucky slang. Yeah. When I yeah. when I think of a critter, I think of something small. Small, yeah. Not something that's it's bigger like something, bigger than me. Something possum size or smaller <laughs> as a critter. You know, it's a when it's something as big as a, a Bigfoot, it's that big old thing. Or that's something, right. You know. It's no, it, no, it ceases to be a critter. Yeah, it's that thing, um, that big thing. But this this first one is from Lewisburg, which is inside Logan County, Kentucky. Um, in July of 1991, a man named Lyle was driving home with his father, who was visiting from Ohio. It was at night, and as they were getting out of the car, they heard what they described as shrieking that seemed to be coming from all directions. It stopped, but soon started again. This time, it was obviously coming from the back of the house. So Lyle and his father went inside to get shotguns and a flashlight. So they went out the back door and slowly entered the woods. 
Lyle's father said as they're walking through, he heard a twig snap directly in front of him. He reached for his flashlight, and when he clicked it on, he saw a large, hairy, upright figure turn and run further into the woods. Now, it's it's dark. I mean, they're they're trucking around in the woods, and, you know, even if you didn't have a Bigfoot, you know, the woods at night, not the safest place to be, you know, unless you know them well. Um, so they decided, okay, that was weird. Let's not chase it. And they, they go back out the next morning to investigate the area to look for tracks or any other kind of evidence. They didn't find tracks. But what they found was a trail of broken limbs and twigs cut right through the woods that they said reached up to about eight feet. So eight feet up into these trees, they're seeing broken limbs that follow this same trail. So something much taller than them had rushed through there and cracked limbs at that height. Okay. So we'll move a little bit further south and and more current to Russellville, Kentucky. In March of 2015, Nick Bryan describes seeing a tall, wide silhouette outside his home around 1.30 in the morning. Upon investigating, Nick found a large 16-inch footprints just outside the front window of his house. Those are huge. Yeah. And interestingly, the tracks led away from the house in a straight line. So again, as I mentioned before, you know, this is not this is not a creature that's walking like a gorilla. This is a creature that's walking like a human being, you know, one foot in front of the other. And and Nick goes on to say, you know, he when he was outside, you know, he, he realized whatever had been up against the house was still around. And so he's he's taking a shovel and he's, you know, knocking it against the ground, like against the, the back porch, you mm-hmm. know, to make some noise. You know, if it's just a big animal, you know, he was hoping this would kind of scare it away. Right. And as he was hitting, he was getting a response. Ah. You know, so Wood he said knocking. it sounded like something along the lines of somebody taking a baseball bat and smacking it against a tree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he would he would hit a few times and then, he you know, after a few seconds, he would get a response from the woods. He said this kind of went on for a little while. Um and then, you know, it was pretty much over, but something, either a Bigfoot or some really large animal got that close to his house. Right. And here's another thing. Animals typically don't look in your window. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some, some animals will, I mean, you know, more intelligent domesticated animals will look through a window. Um, but wild animals usually aren't peeking through a window. Right. And if and if these tracks were found outside a front window, it looks like something was standing out there yeah. looking in. Sometimes deer will do that. Yeah. But you know deer footprints. Deer yeah. footprints are not 16 inches. Right. You know, and the deer would not be knocking back. Yeah. When I was a kid, it was a Saturday morning and I got up. I, I was probably, I don't know, 11 or 12 walk through my living room and my parents have a great big uh, picture window mm-hmm. in front of their house. And there was a cow 
<laughs> looking in the window right at me. Now, really, he wasn't looking in the window, but it looked like he was looking in the window right, right at me. He's standing in my front yard. And I didn't grow up on a farm. But, you know, it, it was kind of a weird situation. See, but this I, is why I love the South. <laughs> this is why I won't live anywhere but the South. Yeah, you know, you people, you, you live way up north. You don't you don't have stories like this. No. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be coming out with that. I was walking through my living room, but there was a cow in my front yard. Right. But it wasn't my cow. It would know? only be more Southern if the cow was in your living room. You know, yeah. walking downstairs, get some breakfast. There's a cow well, laying in my know. living room. I heard the doorbell ring, but I, <laughs> yeah, I'm not I answering that. No, you know, old you, Bessie you get, ain't getting in my house you gotta, again. You gotta invite cows in, right? So, <laughs> like black-eyed kids, yeah, and vampires and cows, right? <laughs> so, all right, so now uh, we've gone from Lewisburg to Russellville. We're gonna stop kind of halfway in between, and this is an interesting story, you know, because this comes from a gentleman that was hunting. And hunters give really good accounts um, in these Bigfoot sightings, n- not because of what they they think they saw. It's because of what they know they didn't see. Right. I mean, if, if you're a hunter and, and you're out in the woods, you, you know what you're hunting for, but you also know what other kind of wildlife is around you right. that could cause you problems. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's wolves. Or foxes, or snakes, coyotes, or coyotes, bears. It, yeah, bears, anything like that. You know when, because deer are food mm-hmm. for more than just people, right? And so if there's, it's just like here where where Adam and I live, we have we have two things that are very very populous in this area. We have deer, and we have coyotes, right? And we have coyotes. Because we have deer. So hunters understand this and they know what to look for and they know what one looks like. And if they if they spot one, even in the dark or out of the corner of their eye, chances are they're going to know what it is mm-hmm. or they're going to have a really good guess. So when they see something that's moving around and they don't know what it is, you know, it makes you stop and think. Yeah. So hunters... You know, they make pretty credible witnesses. And, a lot of and, hunters I know can tell by eye shine. Sure. What something Yeah, because they're different colors depending right. on the, the animal. Mm-hmm. The gentleman that was investigating some of these sightings, he gets a phone call from a man named Philip. And at the time, this and this report was given in 2014. And, but the uh, the event actually took place about 25 years before this. So this man, Philip, he contacted, uh, he, he contacted the, uh, the writer of an article in the daily news about these Bigfoot sightings. Um, at the time he was a 72 year old retired systems engineer. It was a clear moonlit evening and Philip climbed down from his tree stand after a day of bow hunting and headed down a path, approximately 25 yards through the woods to a soybean field. As he entered the bean field at his three o'clock position, he noticed a dark silhouette of a massive figure. It was only about 20 feet away. Philip pretended like he didn't see it and he kept walking at a fast pace, all the while keeping an eye on it. The moon was directly behind it, so he couldn't see its face. 
You said it had really long arms, very broad shoulders, no neck, a thick build, and he could even see its fingers. He said it looked like an image on our website, except much thicker, like a gorilla with a smaller waist and longer arms. The head was not pointed like most people describe. Philip is about six feet tall, and he estimated the creature to be a foot taller than himself, putting its height at around seven feet. It made no sounds or movement. When he initially entered the bean field, he could see the silhouette clearly due to the moon behind it. However, as he walked past and beyond it, it kind of blended in with the tree line. So just prior to leaving the tree stand, Philip observed a fox which ran under his tree stand away from the bean field. The next day, Philip returned with a high-powered rifle to look for footprints. He didn't find any footprints due to the hard ground and the grassy area next to the bean field where it was standing. When asked how come he didn't stop when he first saw it, he explained, It totally caught me off guard, and there was nothing I could have done anyway because it was so close. I just kept my eye on it and kept walking at a fast pace across the bean field towards my Jeep. He says to this day, thinking about it still gives him chills. He says the whole situation seems surreal and, and more like a dream. You know, so you can imagine, you know, at night you're you're leaving the woods. I mean, this guy was obviously somebody who was, you know, skilled. You know, he'd been out there all day. He certainly didn't come crawling out of his tree stand while the sun was still out. So right. this guy knew what he was doing. You know, he's obviously somebody that's been out there before. He knew the area well enough. And he saw something completely out of place. And it was it was enough that he didn't completely switch to hunter instinct and say, this is something that's going to hurt me. I got to kill it mm-hmm. or at least try to scare it off. You know, he realized there's something big that I've never seen before, and I need to quickly get myself out of this right. area. You know, so like we said, you know, these hunters, they, they know, they know what's out there. You know, when they see something that they don't know, it, it generally spooks them. Yeah. You know, so um, this last one I'm going to, I'm going to go over is from the Red River Gorge, which is more, it's, it's Eastern Kentucky. It's east of Lexington. And it's in a, it's within a large, uh, a large state park. Um, these are where uh, three gentlemen, Ian, Paul, and Brandon, uh, reported that they had a Bigfoot encounter in November of 2015. So, wow, know, just, that's just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um. This is this is Paul's story. Okay. Paul, he's twenty. He's twenty four years old. He's been backcountry camping since the age of eight. He's hiked at night and has logged countless hours in the Kentucky wilderness, especially at the Red River Gorge. Again, this guy knows where he is. He knows what's around him. Fear of the woods has never, ever been a factor in his life until now. The the men, along with three large dogs, hiked eight miles deep into the gorge into an area which had previously been close to the public for a significant period of time. They were the first humans in this particular area in, in quite a while, and Paul recalls not seeing a human the entire weekend. The first night, Friday, was uneventful. The men decided to take a day hike on Saturday, and after their hike, the men and the dogs arrived back at the camp around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. After eating dinner, 
It was twilight, and Ian left the camp to use the restroom. And when he returned, it was pitch black outside. So now Ian takes over and says, about that time, he heard a very loud scream howl, which lasted about 45 seconds and definitely got their attention. Paul said, it sounded like a large man being slaughtered combined with a wolf. Wow. It was the most unnatural vocalization I've ever heard. Now that's Paul speaking again. Immediately afterwards, the entire woods became eerily quiet. Ian and Brandon looked to Paul for answers. Paul was the experienced outdoorsman. Like, What the heck was that? And Paul said he'd never heard anything like that in his life. Paul explained fight or flight immediately kicked in and the men became very anxious. Oh, sure. The men didn't have guns, which that's crazy. Yeah. You know. You go camping out there where there's no other human beings around. Yeah. If you're out in the woods all by yourself where there's wild animals, yeah. bring some form yeah. of, you know, hunting rifle, shotgun, <laughs> yeah. something. You need something. You need something. So Brandon turned on all the lights in the camp and grabbed the machete. And Paul asked him to turn the lights off because he was afraid that whatever it was would be attracted to the lights and then come back. The men argued about this, but in a few minutes went by, and then they heard a series of five crashes come from the ridge behind them. Paul and Ian both remember it sounded like something running on two legs, breaking large branches. Then there was a laughter. They call it a disembodied witch's cackle. And at this time... That's creepy. Yeah. And at this time, Naku, Paul's fearless 120-pound Great Pyrenees, went missing from camp. Paul left the camp and headed out, you know, and heads out and his dog, he finds his dog growling. He finds him in the middle of the creek, growling aggressively in the direction of the noise they had just heard. Naku's hair was standing straight up on his back. He was in a wide stance and his rear legs were quivering. As Paul's headlamp shined in the same direction as Naku, Paul saw two blood red eyes in the rhododendron at the base of the hill. The eyes were about eye level with Paul, the size of silver dollars, and about nine inches apart. You think about how far how apart your head. your eyes are. Yeah. You know, and then, you know. I knew some dudes who had, had about some, eight inches. I knew some dudes <laughs> who had some really wide set eyes, but that was just a <laughs> genetic problem. If my eyes were set that wide, I'd look like a chameleon. They'd be on the side of my mm-hmm. head. So as, as soon as Paul's white light hit the eyes, the creature appeared to turn away. When asked if he saw the creature, Paul said no. It was just, just a dark, upright shadow that was behind the vegetation. Within a few seconds, Naku, the dog, does a 180 and starts growling at the ridge behind them. Uh-oh. Paul immediately turns and catches another set of red eyes about 100 yards up the ridge. At this point, Paul says, whatever this was, it wasn't playing by our rules. Unless there were two of them. He never heard it change position. Overcome with fear, Paul grabbed Naku and headed back to camp. The men never slept, and immediately at first light, they took off. I Paul, would have too. Yeah. Paul says he felt violated. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, okay. What else happened he during said, that? Yeah, he said it was purposefully messing with them and that it was toying with them. He said, I could not possibly experience more fear in my life than that night. And so 
cool story, scary story. Yep. And, you know, you don't really have evidence that, oh, this is, this is a Bigfoot sighting. Right. But it was something, and it was obviously something large, because he at least did see the shadow. Right. You know, and a dog's going to react to to any kind of wild animal that, mm-hmm. that comes around like that. Right. So, you know, but m- most of the time, you know, and, and Adam, you know, will, you know, he'll know the answer to this, but, you know, he mentioned, you know, eye shine, you know, what animals have a red eye shine? Right. And there, there are no animals that we know of that been cataloged that have a red eye shine in North America. You know, that's going to be that tall and have that widespread eyes. Most of the time, you know, you're going to have canines that have an orange type of reflection. So coyotes, dogs, theirs will be kind of an orangish yellow. Wolves. Wolves be orangish, yellowish kind of an eye shine. And in the right light, you could make it uh, make it look like a red eye shine, yeah. but you know, you, like I said, the right light, not just a regular flashlight is going to make anything we have in North America have a red eye shine. Right. You know, it's, it's not normal. Yeah. And you know, even if this was, you know, a coyote or a wolf, you know, Paul describes the eyes as it being level mm-hmm. with him. You know, and we talked about animals that get up on their hind legs. I mean, that's not something that wolves and coyotes do. No. They, you know, they're not they're not prancing around for a milk bone. Right. You know, so if if you saw the eye shine, if you're talking about a rhododendron plant, and if you saw an eye shine from a wolf or a coyote or or another canine, it's it's not going to be up above that. No, it's going to be either at the level or you know, maybe even intertwined depending on how tall that plant is, mm-hmm. you know, but you're not going to expect it to be, you know, six to seven feet tall. No. You know, and, and, you know, from a distance, you know, sometimes it's hard to judge height, but if you're looking at it and you're expecting to see an animal, you know, you're, you're expecting the eyes to be lower than your vantage point. Right. You're you know, thinking so when closer to the ground, three yeah, feet max, maybe. Right. So if they're at your level or even a little bit above, then you you begin your brain starts to say, What what am I looking at? You yeah. know, what what is that? It it's not it's not fitting into what I'm thinking I ought to be looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, it it's a it's a really cool story. Um, you know, and there's a lot of things about it that sound more believable because of the the interaction you know when you when you read these type stories you you begin to see the common thread of these things they they're not afraid of people but they know to stay away or to at least keep a distance to where you're you're not right on top of one right you know um, and a lot of times the, the rock throwing, the howling, you know, the, the, the trees being knocked over, those kind of things, you know, they're done from a distance, almost in an effort to scare, yeah you know, people away. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you ventured into my territory. Now 
a, a lower evolved creature would attack. Mm-hmm. You're in my domain. And, and so I've, I've got to fight first. Mm-hmm. And here's something that is passively trying to frighten humans away. Yeah, it, under, it understands how to do that yeah. rather than just fight. Even even a primate, even even a a a chimp, an orangutan, a gorilla, they're they're not going to start moving stuff around and making noise to try to scare you away. Mm-hmm. They're going to come at you. Yeah, you know if you're in their territory, and you know larger primates like you know chimps and orangutans and, and gorillas. You know they're extraordinarily dangerous to humans. Oh sure. You know they they feel threatened. And the fact that, um, you know, humans are upright and, and they're semi-upright, you know, it's a threatening position. And we talked about when gorillas, when male gorillas fight and they rear up on their back feet, mm-hmm. you know, you've seen that, you've seen those images of gorillas beating their chest. I mean, they're showing their power. They're showing their prowess. They're not afraid. You know, they're right. showing I'm tougher than you. You know, you either want to run or you want to fight. Yep. It's, you know, but but I'm going to do it where I can see you and you can see me. Mm-hmm. And these creatures aren't doing that. And I mean, hundreds of stories, you know, of rocks being thrown, of, of you know, trash cans being torn over, cabins being wrecked when nobody's there. Yes. Yep. So um, it, it shows some some level of higher intelligence than what we typically would expect from a wild animal. Right. And. Like you said, from a great ape, even. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple stories here to get into. Um, a couple of them are from our home home state here, but one of them I've got is from Fresno County, California, and it's around Avocado Lake. And I like this story. This one's a, a funny one to me. I like Avocado Lake. I like avocados. So yeah, I like know, uh, all good things. I like guacamole mountain too. <laughs> So around Avocado Lake, there's a farmer, and I didn't find a date on this, but if you look it up, y'all might be able to find a date. There's a farmer who, he's standing out in his fields about dusk, and off by the tree line, he sees five bodies, in quotes, moving through his field and kind of fast out there at the edge of the field. Something you never want to see. Right. And the largest one of the group had one of his pigs slung over his shoulder. So this, the largest body is carrying off a pig, one of his pigs from his farm. And they noticed at that point, the farmer out there, several of them turned and looked his way. When they noticed him, they bolted. They took off running. They scattered. Well, they'd stole one of his pigs. Right. So they're like, oh crap, I'm getting caught. (laughs) So the one carrying the pig is apparently not paying attention and trips over an irrigation pipe. So his foot hits an irrigation pipe, it goes down, and the pig goes flying. And the the body, I'll just say the body, kind of rolls and falls on the ground, gets back up, and takes off without the pig. So I thought that was funny because you've got yeah. what's possibly a Bigfoot trying to steal your pig, and then he's clumsy, you know? <laughs> He's not paying attention where he's going, and that just goes to show, if you're stealing a pig, pay attention. Yeah. 
absolutely. And you know, if you think, man, this was this was just some guys playing a prank. You ever picked up a pig? Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, you have it because they're heavy, right? And, it, and a dude's not just gonna throw a pig over his shoulder and go walking through somebody's field. And if he can do that, he can have that pig. That's right. <laughs> I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna fight for that. Pig. I'm not gonna mess with that guy with an axe handle. No. <laughs> So next one I got is the one that Matt was talking about that is in our backyard. This is, it's in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And it's just up the road a little way from where we are right now. Oh, yeah. It was, the sighting was in 1965. And these stories, these next two stories I got from BFRO.net. And it's Bigfoot Field Research Organization. And that's a website that you can go on and you go to the map and you can click on any state and it gives you a rundown of all the sightings within that state. And around each county, it'll give you the most recent one, but it'll also tell you the number in that county. So it's pretty cool. You know, I spent way too much time going through that the other night. I shouldn't have spent hours looking (laughs) at this site, but I did. It's easy just like. Oh, you're staring at it, right. and going, look at this, look hey, at look, this. This is from 2012. Been, been looking at it for like three hours. Yeah, yeah, because I'm looking at every city I've lived in, you know, <laughs> uh, friends of mine, where they're from. You know, I got one friend who I think might be a Sasquatch, you know, he's huge and hairy. I got, so. I got, one, I got one of those too. Yeah. Um, so, see, I looked around his, maybe, you know, maybe, yeah. you never know. <laughs> do the... Do the Google Map satellite. You see, <laughs> yeah. you know, look at this one. This is Sasquatch sitting on the back porch having yeah. a margarita. Oh, no, that's just Bill. Never mind. <laughs> so this is in 1965. So the area has completely changed since then. You know, now you've got it's home to country music stars and it's growing and there's lots of shops and everything around this area. But at that time, it was all farmland fields and you know forested area wooded area and on the bfro site they actually get the story from the person who observed it so the guy says i always tell this story whenever there is a bigfoot conversation however i've never reported the incident to an official source until now the creature was witnessed by myself my sister brother-in-law, my brother, and two of my cousins. The sighting in Hendersonville, where, like I said, was all wooded, and it he says by no means wilderness, but it was more wooded than it is now. He said there is a new house next to the last one in the development at the time. The subdivision was a new one cut into some of the wooded area of Hendersonville. We turned into the driveway of the house, And when the headlights from the car straightened down the driveway, Leo, his brother-in-law, abruptly stopped the car and said, What the hell is that? We all looked. The creature was digging in the trash can at the end of the driveway, its right side toward us. As the lights hit it, it turned and looked in our direction, then looked in the direction of its escape. He says, never looked in our direction again, but casually strode away. Leo got out of the car and went through the front door of the house and got his gun. 
We all watched as the creature ran, not fast, but kind of jogged away on two legs. Never did it drop on all fours. It was not even built for all fours. It was manlike. So basically, they see a Bigfoot digging through his trash can. And come to find out is because they threw away an entire chicken carcass in there. So they assume it was going after the chicken carcass. And I just thought that one was interesting because of its proximity to us. Oh, yeah. So, and I'd, I'd never heard of any sightings around this area until I got on that website. So that was, that was kind of cool. The other one I have is one of the more recent ones in Tennessee, and it's in Roan County. And it says, my nine-year-old son and I were traveling on Tennessee Road 61 in Roan County outside of Harriman, Tennessee at about 3.45 p.m. on a Tuesday in 2012. When about 10 to 12 car lengths in front of us, a large, black, hairy, upright person or Bigfoot, it's weird how they've got it written, <laughs> crossed the two-lane road. It came out of the forest on the other side of the road and crossed about three steps to get over the road before looking at us and then entering the brush right before the forest. It looked as though it was eight feet tall or larger. I was able to go back in 2012, just a month later, to look at the site, and there were still foot markings in the grass, you know, where it had scraped the grass away, so there was bare spots in the grass. And they found a large bedded down area in the grass, the grass that looked flat. So like like animals would make a bedding site, Mm -hmm. would lay down, kind of scratch and pile up grass and everything. That's interesting because not only did they witness the thing, they went back and they found what could be the bedding area for this Bigfoot Sasquatch or whatever. Yeah. They found like an alarm clock. No, but they found a (laughs) A pillow, a graveyard tails pillow. They found a Hello Kitty pillow and blanket. (laughs) So Bigfoot is apparently a Hello Kitty fan. Oh. Now, I ha- see, I have this mental image of the uh, the Sasquatch from those commercials mm-hmm. holding the Hello Kitty, Kitty pillow and these people harassing him. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's trying to sleep. Well, you know, there are uh, several stories out there, and I didn't uh, get any of them because they weren't detailed enough. But there are several stories of Bigfoot stealing clothes off a clothesline. And one that I saw, it had no source and really not a whole lot of detail in it, so I didn't feel like copying it down, was they actually found a Bigfoot. It was like seen, I guess, in a rural area, and it had a woman's shirt draped over its shoulders. I was so, hoping you'd go say it was in like a mini pearl dress, yeah. hat. <laughs> wearing looks a like, bra. Looks and, like ET where they're trying to hide him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like it. It kind of knew what to do with the shirt. It was a woman's shirt, and it was just draped over its shoulders. Yeah, you why know? not? So, I mean, I guess Bigfoot needs to feel pretty too. <laughs> but if you ever wondered, you know, okay, you go to one of these places, you go to Washington because you want to see a Bigfoot, and you're camping, and Bigfoot's there. 
Now, what do you do? You know, I, I got some stuff for you to do. Here we go. So according to exemplar.com, the what to do if you find Bigfoot section, here are some of the things you need to do. You need to document your encounter. It says initially the most important thing is to put together an accurate account of what you saw, heard, or experienced and gather any evidence. So evidence. And before we get into that, one of the first things you need to make sure you do is don't poop yourself. Because <laughs> if you're out in the woods and then you run across a nine foot tall man ape, don't poop because that's going to hinder your escape. Yeah. But you know what? That That's just good life advice. That's true. You know, when you go for a job interview, don't poop yourself. Yeah, you're right. It, it actually works in a lot of yeah. applications. When you show up to take the SAT, don't poop yourself. When you're recording a podcast, don't poop yourself. Oh. Yeah, see. Too late. Yeah, I had to throw that one in there for a reason, Matt. So... Anyway, can you believe that we don't write these jokes? They just happen. They just happen. You <laughs> can tell. Like, yeah, we can. Yeah, tell. you can tell because they're all poop jokes every time. <laughs> We're in eighth grade. What can we do? Yeah, it's all right. So after you make sure you don't poop yourself, what you want to do is collect evidence. If you can muster the wherewithal, get a picture. Get your phone out. You've got a phone in your pocket. Take a picture of the stupid thing. Take a video of the thing if you can. Nobody remembers to take photos. Take a photo if you can. The other thing you want to do is try to collect hair samples. So immediately, yeah. So go find its hairbrush. Exactly. <laughs> so want to find its hairbrush or look in the drain. There may be some hair yeah. stuck in the, the shower drain. Uh, but it says immediately following a Bigfoot sighting and only if it's safe to do so, Examine the area where the creature was spotted, looking for hair on twigs or branches or man-made objects like barbed wire fences. You want to collect this sample of hair and try not to touch it. Use something to pick it up rather than your hand because you don't want to get your DNA on the hair and it might damage, you know, something, contaminate the DNA analysis later on. Another thing you want to do is look for footprints. If you see any footprints, take a picture of it. Lay something beside it, something that is easily measurable. Put your foot up next to it. Lay a Coke can or a pin or something that you can go back and say, okay, this pin was five inches long and it's laying next to the thing because you're not always going to be carrying a ruler with you. And it's usually wait, wait, you're not. Well, you do, but always, I mean, I see that tactical belt you've got on. <laughs> That's like, you've it's got, a, it's a Batman belt. Exactly. You got your ruler and, and your protractor. And, well, you made me, I had to throw away my werewolf belt. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't have had one of those in the first place. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that later off, Mike. Uh, usually you're also not going to have like casting material with you. Yeah. So Easiest way is just get several photos of it from several angles with a water bottle or something next to it. Now, here's one of the reasons you don't want to poop yourself is because you also want to look for Bigfoot scat. So if you've tainted the area with human scat, you're less likely to find the Bigfoot scat. 
So, and they say, unless you catch Bigfoot in a very embarrassing situation, it's not likely that you'll find <laughs> scat directly related to your sighting. Here's a photo of Bigfoot taking a dump. See, <laughs> that's the kind of proof you need. If you can, if you catch him in an embarrassing situation <laughs> with his metaphorical pants around his ankles and you take that picture, they're going to believe you. People oh, yeah. are going to believe you. Oh, yeah. Because really hard to fake poop in a, in a Sasquatch suit. That's right. Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> Another thing you want to do is listen for sounds or calls. So... If you're hearing the wood knocking that Matt was talking about, if you're hearing some of the sounds that I demonstrated for you before, get your phone out and record it. Every phone has an audio recording function on there of some Mm -hmm. sort. So pull that up and get some kind of recording. Now, in big letters on their website, they say, do not shoot a Bigfoot. So they must be talking about Southern boys. Because you got southern boys out in the woods, and they see a Bigfoot. They're like, man, I'm going to shoot that thing. Better not come over here. I'm going to shoot that thing. So don't shoot it. Because you don't want to shoot a living specimen of something. Because if you see it, you may be the only one in that area to see it. And sure, they'll believe you if you shoot it. But you may have killed the only one in your area. And it's rare enough as it is, so... Don't kill an endangered species, people. Yeah. Also, you may shoot some dummy in a gorilla suit that's out there trying to prank you. <laughs> that's right. You go from hunter to murderer. Right. So just don't shoot Bigfoot because it may be Bill who yeah. just got off his porch drinking sweet tea and he's wanting to come out and screw with you. Yeah. Another thing you want to do is write a witness statement. Make sure right after the event, you write a witness statement so that it's fresh in your head and you can remember everything you need to you need to to get down on paper. So you want to get the date, where it happened, what time of day it was, what the surroundings were like, the weather, how many of them you encountered, what was it doing, etc. And they say, don't go and tell everyone about your Bigfoot experience. You don't want to immediately after seeing it, go out and just spread it to the news and all that because you'll get a bunch of people coming out and trampling any actual evidence of the Bigfoot or you'll become the laughing stock of the neighborhood. So find a reputable Bigfoot researcher and there are those out there. So get on the Internet, search for a reputable Bigfoot researcher and take them your evidence. Don't just take it to... Channel 4 News, because right. they'll probably, if they don't laugh you away, then it'll be some media storm and it'll just be bad. It'll wind up as one of those stories that they run at the very end of the news on Saturday night when nobody's watching the news and nobody's going to care. Right. And for some reason, they'll play yakety sacks behind yeah. it, you know. And <laughs> so Matt has is going to get into some of the theories about what Bigfoot is. So, okay. So just for the sake of argument, let's say that there, there really is a Bigfoot out there. There's a creature out there that we we don't know what it is. So um, researchers have come up with some theories about what Bigfoot could possibly be. And, this first one we're going to talk about 
I think seems seems the most plausible. Um, but even still, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of problems with it. Um, this is the North American ape theory. Now, there is not an ape that is native to North America. Right. Uh, you know, we, we don't have we don't have gorillas and, and chimpanzees and orangutans just, you know, like we got squirrels and rabbits around here. I mean, we just don't. Um, and, and if we did, we would know about it. We, we would already know, you know, oh, well, there's there's this kind of primate that's native to North America. And that's probably what it is. It's just a bigger one. Mm-hmm. We, we don't. So but there's an idea that that these particular ones managed to migrate down from Alaska into the Pacific Northwest. And so the, the, this is the most prevalent theory um, that some researchers say this species um, that has been referred to theoretically as the North American ape uh, fits the description of Sasquatch. Um, but where would they have come from? So the Bigfoot giganto theory is a concept that says Bigfoot may trace his family tree back to a giant 10 foot tall ape species known as the Gigantopithecus mm-hmm. black or blackie. I think, yeah. It's Giganto and uh, yeah. Gigantopithecus black eye is how I black eye black uh, eye. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's going to give you. If you walk up on one good way to remember it. Yeah. So this massive creature went est- went extinct around 100,000 years ago, but some researchers speculate that Giganto may have evolved into what we call the Yeti in Asia. So Yeti ancestors may have followed ancient humans across the Bering Land Bridge, and that's the area that connects, you know, Alaska to Russia, um, into North America during the time of the last ice age. Now, this accounts for two similar creatures, Sasquatch and the Yeti. And we talk about Sasquatch is essentially a, a Canadian thing. And, and the Yeti is, you know, an Asian thing. Um, so Bigfoot is the American thing. They're all roughly the, the same thing. It just depends on where, where you are, mm-hmm. where they're spotted. But it does give us an explanation for our Bigfoot. Um, and as nice and neat as this theory sounds, there's still, like I said, a lot of problems with it from a, paleonto- a paleontology perspective. Even if Bigfoot didn't evolve as a result of the giganto connection, by most modern accounts, he does seem to be some type of ape. There's no fossil records of apes in North America. So not only are there no apes native to North America, there's no fossils that there were ever apes native to North America. Um, It doesn't mean that they weren't here. I mean, fossils don't typically preserve very well in forests, and that's where the majority of these sightings occur. Um, But And there's so many scavengers out there to to clean up a carcass. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if if a Bigfoot was to die in the forest, there's there's going to be a lot of animals that'll come around and take care of the the meat right. and whatnot. Um, it's just how it's just hard to explain how such a large creature could leave so few clues 
that it even exists. And, you know, really the idea of a flesh and blood creature that biologists ought to know about by now and haven't been able to track down, it, it just it, it makes it less and less plausible as you think about it. Um, if you've ever watched the show Monster Quest, they did a really interesting um, documentary on a Canadian group of scientists that in 2005 were attacked by what they thought was a Bigfoot. You know, they were staying in a cabin and rocks were being hurled at the cabin. You know, they heard the the screams, the howls and everything. And this, this went on. I mean, and, and these rocks and, and things, they, they weren't like pebbles. I mean, these were small boulders. I mean, these, these were rocks that you probably wouldn't be able to throw more than a few feet mm-hmm. if you could pick them up, you know, and these are landing on the roof of this cabin. Um, and after they left, you know, the cabin owner had, had gone back up there and found the place just completely trashed, you know, all inside. And they said at that point, if it was a bear that got in there and did this kind of damage, they said, if a bear gets in a cabin, it will attack the refrigerator, not because of the food that's inside. There's something about the insulation that's within the walls of the refrigerator and the door that over time produces a chemical that smells like an anthill. Mm. You know, so they're, they usually, when a bear attacks a cabin, they'll find a lot of damage to the refrigerator where it's been you know, ripped and pulled and scratched apart. That wasn't the case in, in this particular event. Um, so, you know, the idea that an animal this size came in and ransacked this cabin, they just figured it, uh, it wasn't a bear. So it had to be something else. And most likely it was this that attacked these scientists before. So they went back. These scientists gathered up all this high tech equipment, got more researchers and they went back. And they had set a little bit of a trap for this thing. They had run these screws up through the bottom of a wood plank, and they put it right in front of the door. It was obvious enough that a person trying to go in there would have seen it and stepped over it. I mean, they weren't hiding it. Right. You know, but if you're thinking it's a wild animal, this this would fool them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they went back and inspected that, they found blood and tissue on some of the screws that were in that board. And when they examined and did DNA tests on the the tissue that they found, they found primate DNA mixed with human DNA. So that was really confusing because there's, there's not a creature that we know of that would have such a combination. And as we've already talked about, there's no no native apes in North America. So why would we see this type of DNA on, on one of these screws that was yeah, there set in front of the door? Shouldn't, shouldn't be primate DNA. Shouldn't be, you know, at all, you know, un- un- unless there's a wild monkey running through the woods. Yeah. And then a wild monkey wouldn't be able to destroy the house yeah. or, or destroy the cabin like that. Or throw boulders, right. you know? And so, that's that's the North American ape theory. Um, again, like I said, it's the most plausible, but you can see where it 
it still doesn't cover all the bases. Yeah, it it like you said, it falls short because if Gigantopithecus came over on the land bridge, then before it evolved into what is now Bigfoot, there would be evidence of a prehistoric North American great ape. And whether it be bones or remains found, or if it was in the Native people's tradition, like Native Americans would have stories of hunting monkeys, and they don't. So there's a lot, there's a lack of evidence Mm -hmm. for anything coming over because there were humans around Mm -hmm. and they would have hunted them like they hunted everything else. Yeah. And there's cave drawings of everything they hunted and there's not cave drawings of a Gigantopithecus in America. Yeah. So some of these other theories, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on two of them real quick to move on to the ones that are more fun. Um, Another theory is it's made up. I can't believe that's actually a theory. Yeah, I don't like that one. But, you know, they they do theorize that this is these are stories from North American folklore, um, you know, n- Native American tradition and and stories um of this type of creature and it they've just been handed down. And People are, these sightings are something else and they're just being attributed to these old stories. So, you know, that's, to me, that's, that's boring theory. I don't oh, like yeah. that at all. Um, but, um, the next one we're going to talk about is, is Bigfoot even a creature? You know, is it, is it actually real? And so this theory is the forest spirit theory. So what if Bigfoot doesn't really exist in the natural world at all? Is, is it just luck and happenstance that the only people who ever see Bigfoot are totally unprepared to document the encounter? Is it an odd paradox that a creature so secretive that it has not been properly documented by science seems to readily reveal itself to moving cars, hunters wearing orange camouflage, and teenagers wandering along dirt roads? Of course, even in this age where everyone is carrying a smartphone with a camera attached, nobody who claims to spot Bigfoot ever gets a picture. Yeah, can you take a selfie with me? Come on. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, most people are startled and shaken by the encounter, but, you know, during tsunamis and earthquakes and street riots and every other terrifying event, people will record video and take pictures. However... Some witnesses will claim to observe a Sasquatch for 30 seconds, and it never occurs to them to take a photo. Why? Is it possible that Bigfoot is a forest spirit, a supernatural guardian of the earth, a giant Lorax, if you will? Hmm. Um, You know, could this be why witnesses report being mesmerized by these encounters, and might this be why so few have the wherewithal to go for their cell phones and take a picture. Indeed, in some parts of North America, Native Americans regard Bigfoot as a supernatural being and often a messenger of the natural world. And this is similar to the way the indigenous people of Nepal and Tibet view the Yeti, a spiritual entity. So maybe Europeans and modern researchers have missed the mark. 
when it comes to understanding the true nature of Sasquatch, maybe there is so little evidence because there is simply none to find. And I've heard that theory um, several times, you know, like you said, with Yeti, the Yeti are believed to be a spiritual being. And you hear in a lot of Native American legends that they're the guardians of either the land, a certain bit of land, and you don't go there because they are guarded by the Bigfoot spirits. And it fits in with a lot of the more wild tales of Bigfoot where he seems to blink out of existence. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be watching him and then he just disappears. Or you're chasing him through the woods because you saw him, so you're hunting him down. He turns a corner, you turn a corner, and then he's gone. Yeah. It it also would explain why we don't find dead ones. Right. You know, and there's a lot. that That's always brought up. Anytime we talk about a cryptid of, of, of any type, the, the first thing that a skeptic is going to say is, why don't we have dead ones? Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, to be honest, that's a good argument. Yeah. You know, I mean, you would think if, if there's this many sightings, somebody would have found a dead one by now, mm-hmm. you know, you would, would have come across one or at least say, man, I, f- I found a big carcass and I'm not sure what kind of animal this is. And, and somebody would have done some testing on it. Right. So, you know, then we would have either learned, hey, this is a Bigfoot or, hey, this is actually something else that has just kind of evolved into this upright, walking, tall, you know, huge, right? you know, animal. You know, it's not not a creature. It's not it's it's an animal. But if you look at it from this perspective, that would explain why if if Bigfoot is a is a spirit creature, you know, that we don't find dead ones. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe they're immortal. Right. I mean, you know, may, maybe they, they don't die. Maybe they are just protectors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that people are are catching glimpses of them, maybe, maybe that's why they 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 can't get a decent photograph. Right. You know, because it it doesn't allow you to photograph. Right. Messes with your mind in a sense and puts yeah. you in a state where, you know, it just doesn't cross your mind. Yeah. I think if you buy into a theory like this, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. You know, what, anything goes at that point. If we're talking about Bigfoot being a spirit creature, mm-hmm. you know, it can do whatever. It can fly if it wants oh, to. For it sure. can disappear. It can, you know, show up behind you, yep. you know, whatever it wants to do, well, you know, and, and strength and and all that kind of stuff, it's not going to matter because if it's spirit, it could do it could do what it wants. Yeah, well, like that story you told earlier, where the eye shine was in front of them, and then just a few seconds later, it was behind them. Yeah. So if it were a spirit, it doesn't have to obey the natural laws of physics or right. anything, and it could have popped over there real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The next theory. This is this is the this is the wild one. This is the one where it really gets strange. Yeah, this is one of my favorites. This is Adam's favorite. Mm -hmm. This is the alien theory. So some people believe that Bigfoot might actually be an alien species dropped off here by visitors from another planet for reasons known only to them. As, As crazy as this sounds, there does seem to be a correlation between increases in Bigfoot sightings 
and increases in UFO activity. But at what point could there be the, the, the strange relationship between aliens and Bigfoot? And remember when we did the episode on the Bridgewater Triangle, UFOs and Bigfoot sightings are widely reported in that area, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, this isn't just something where we're like, oh, we're going to, we're going to try to tie these two things together. No, it, it's really been tied together. I mean, you know, so the increases in UFO sightings, increases in Bigfoot sightings in that area that there is an actual correlation. Right. You know, so they're, they're not making this up. So maybe these Sasquatch creatures are a type of experiment. Aliens would leave them on our planet for a while and then collect them again after a period of time. Since they are apparently so similar to us, the alien visitors may be able to see all kinds of results that exposure to our earthly environment would have on them. Maybe this is a kinder, gentler way for aliens to get information about the human race instead of the abduction probe events that, you know, we hear about so often. Um, but maybe maybe Bigfoot is is a hybrid of sorts, a cross between humans and and some kind of creature that exists on an alien homeworld. Or maybe an alien race is somehow attempting to reverse engineer human DNA. And this Bigfoot creature is the closest thing they've come up with so far. Right. You know, um, but the Bigfoot alien theory is certainly among the most bizarre of the Bigfoot theories. And, and there's way more than these. Um, but we could speculate on this, you know, forever. But alien involvement definitely could explain why no specimen has ever been captured, why no carcasses have been found, and why Bigfoot seems to be here one minute and gone the next. Right. Okay. And, you know, Adam, you, you made an interesting point about this, this alien thing when we were talking before we started recording um, about what they may be uh, like uh, alien prisoners or something. Like yeah. That. Um, and I've got. I've got an article here written by Dr. Franklin Rule, PhD, and it it goes into just that that Bigfoot is possibly an alien entity. So, I'll read you his article. It says rather than being a missing link between man and the apes, Bigfoot may possibly be an alien entity. This intriguing possibility is derived from evidence in several UFO cases. The earliest clues date back to 1888 when a cattleman described an encounter with friendly Indians in Humboldt County, California. They led him to a cave where he saw a hefty humanoid creature covered in long, shiny black hair with no neck sitting cross-legged. One Indian told him three of these, quote, crazy bears had been cast out of a small moon that dropped from the sky and landed. The moon then ascended back into the air. So it's highly likely that the crazy bears were really Bigfoots and the moon a spacecraft. Now, fast forward almost 100 years to 1973. Mrs. Hatefield, she and her 13-year-old son were sleeping in a trailer in Cincinnati, Ohio on the morning of October 21st. She arose at 2.30 a.m. to quench her thirst and noticed strange lights in the adjoining parking lot. Looking out the window, her attention was drawn in particular to an inexplicable cone of light, shaped like a huge bubble umbrella, about seven feet in diameter. 
Nearby, she spotted a grayish ape-like creature with a large downward-angled snout, no neck, and a sizable waist. Moving slowly, it then entered into the light. About five minutes later, both ape-man and UFO disappeared. Another dramatic incident occurred a few days later. On October 25, 1973, a group of farmers in Fayette County, Pennsylvania, caught sight of a dome-shaped UFO that was brightly lit and about 100 feet in diameter. As the locals drove toward it, they saw a pair of gargantuan creatures covered with thick matted hair, luminescent green eyes, and long arms that dangled below their knees. A farmer's son fired a gunshot at the creatures, one of which raised its right hand in the air. At that very moment, the UFO disappeared. Then the two Bigfoots escaped into the woods and were never seen again. Dairy farmer William Bozak of Frederick, Wisconsin, was returning to a co-op, returning from a co-op meeting about 10.30 p.m. on December 9, 1974, when he nearly slammed into a globular UFO on the road in front of him, its bottom half enshrouded in fog. Inside the visible transparent dome was a six-foot-tall ape-like creature with reddish-brown fur covering its entire body except for the face and distinctive pointed ears. It appeared to be operating a control panel. As Bozak passed by, the object suddenly arose and disappeared. In August 1976, after a series of UFO sightings around Rutland, British Columbia, Canada, several men and their children saw a hairy ape-like entity, six to seven feet tall, roaming about a mountainside. They also found a clump of hair that was sent to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police for identification. Laboratory analysis confirmed it was primate fur, but significantly, it could not be matched to any known species on Earth. Perhaps the Bigfoot creatures are UFO pilots landing on Earth for exploratory purposes, or conceivably, higher-level ETs are leaving behind some specimens as guinea pigs, like Matt said, to test our environment for long-term survival. Or, possibly, these Bigfoot are criminal entities being deposited on Earth as a form of cosmic deportation. <laughs> so it's possible. I like that one. I, yeah, I love that one. That these are like on their planet. These are the bad guys. Yeah. And instead of taking them Thugs. to yeah, instead of taking them to Alcatraz, we are the penal colony for the for the solar system. And we didn't even know it. We don't know it, but they're dropping off their. That's why these. Bigfoot are kind of aggressive and they throw stuff at you and they steal your stuff and they they wear women's shirts around their yeah. their shoulders. You know, they're escaping. Got and, teardrop tattoos. Right. <laughs> and the one where uh, the guy said inside the uh, UFO there was a Bigfoot operating the control panel. Yeah, that wasn't a Bigfoot. No. No, I, you know, a six to seven foot hairy creature that can fly a spaceship is a Wookiee. Oh, um, that's right. That's, that's not, that's it's right. not a Bigfoot. Maybe that's where, uh, where they got the idea for the Wookiee was from stories like this. Oh yeah. Well, well, why not? But maybe he was trying to escape. You know, he was dropped off here by one of the wardens, I guess. And 
let's say he knocked out the warden and confiscated his UFO and he's trying to escape. That's why he was fiddling with the dials and didn't know what he was doing exactly. And he's not used to driving the ship. So finally gets it going. And that's why it just shoots up in the air, you know, out of surprise because he finally gets it going. But I like the idea of the <laughs> it's 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 pretty cool. I mean, it's it's the most fun theory. It really sure. is. It really is. And and like I said, there's there's dozens more. Um, one, these one were just the, these are just the best ones. One of my favorites. It and it's not because it's funny. It's because it seems kind of plausible. It's you and I were talking about it. It's the another form of sapien that mm-hmm. evolved along with humans. Yeah. So you know you've got australopithecus and you've got the the small one the hobbit like humanoid and they all kind of died out but homo sapien lived on and evolved into what we are today so the theory is that this is another one another form of man that kind of evolved alongside humans and we went off and kind of you know took over the world and it lived on but it decided to stay in the shadows and everything And one of the reasons that you don't find bodies is because they, like we do, respect their dead and they actually bury their dead. So, you know, quick little theory, but I I like that one, too. Yeah. um, And if you if you buy into the story that, um, you know, that people have seen families of these things, you know, I mean, you know, you you see, you know, herds of cattle and Mm -hmm. you see you see. especially like big, big cats and, and, and dogs have, you know, a, a, a pack mentality, you know, where there's, there's a hierarchy of leadership and this kind of stuff. It's kind of like a family, but you wouldn't describe them as a family. Right. You know, the way that people have described the interaction with these, these supposed Bigfoot, uh, Bigfoot is that, it's a family. They're seeing, you know, a mother and a father and juveniles, you know, that's, that's more what humans would consider to be a family and would recognize it as such. So it, it does speak to a higher level of intelligence and understanding, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe not quite where we are, maybe well beyond it. Right. Um, if they're able to hide from us and us not see them. Right. That's a that's a high level of intelligence. Yeah. You know, so it again, it, if you believe that theory um, that they they would have some type of respect for their dead and that they would bury them again, it, it's one of those explanations that you can kick at a skeptic that says, why hadn't we found any dead ones? Well, maybe this is why. Yeah, exactly. So we want to know what you think. Do you believe in Bigfoot? Do you, what do you believe Bigfoot is if it exists? Is it one of the theories that we have put forth or do you have one of your own? Hit us up on our Facebook group or on Twitter or send us an email to graveyardtalespodcast at gmail.com and let us know. We'd like to hear it because, like we said, there's a ton of theories out there. Yeah, and and if you or someone you know has an experience that they attribute to a possible Bigfoot sighting, please let us know oh, that. Oh, yeah, I please. Mean, you know, the, these things are, are prevalent in the U.S. enough mm-hmm. that there's a chance that 
somebody out there that listens to to our show might know someone that has one of these experiences yeah. and and we we would love to hear about it like i said we can read these all day long um but when you actually get somebody that you can you can physically talk to and say what did you see mm-hmm. you know what did you experience um you know that's that's pretty cool oh very much you so know? yeah so i i think of, of all the things we've you know we've touched on in this vein uh in in the you know in the cryptid vein this is probably the most likely that you know somebody you know six degrees of separation may uh may have had an experience right and so we'd like to hear it right and use that as one of the listener stories that you record and send to us oh yeah because we'll we'll definitely put that if in you, the show if you got if you got a real bigfoot story you're you're on absolutely I promise absolutely <laughs> even if we have to run long that that show we'll put your story yeah, we're in playing there. that one right and don't make one up no, because just because because we'll know <laughs> we will know somehow. I'm not telling you how, but we'll know. So we we appreciate you listening to us and we just we can't get over the growth that we've seen here lately. Yeah, it's just incredible. You guys are awesome and we can't thank you enough for the support that you've given us and you telling everybody about us. Yeah. So keep that up. Yeah. And uh and Adam and I want to thank the uh, the our fellow podcasters. Um, when you guys hear these promos that we play for other independent podcasters out there, um, they are returning that favor. So they're they're playing our Graveyard Tales promo on their show. So give them a listen. You know, show them some love. It may or may not be something that you're into, but it might be. And there's so many of these type podcasts out there. It's hard to to just pick one out of thin air. So, um, you know, if you hear one on this show that sounds interesting to you, you know, go over there and 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 give them a listen and let them know. You know, hey, we we found you guys uh, when we were listening to Graveyard Tales. Oh yeah, for sure. And because the the Pottern family here is strong. You know, everybody everybody in podcasting, they're great people and. You know, like Matt said, they support us, so we want to support them and just share. There's enough room in this this pottern pool for all of us. That's right. So we can all swim. So go give them a listen. Give them a subscribe. While you're doing that, if you haven't given us a review on iTunes or whatever and you feel like doing it, please do that. That helps us get higher on the charts and for more people to actually see us and to join us in the graveyard. Right. Right. So uh, thanks, everybody, for, for listening. This is, uh, golly, what episode is this? This is 19. 19. We, Adam and I have done this 19 times, and uh, we don't have any intention of stopping. No, this is going to keep so, on going. So thanks for listening. Oh, absolutely. And for me and Matt and old Biggie McSquatch, we thank you for joining us tonight, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>